Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. In this episode, my guest is the architect, John Pawson. Over a career spanning 40 years, he has come to define the practice of simple design using the highest quality materials, pioneering the luxury minimalist trend that has since become so widespread across the creative industries. There's very little John hasn't turned his hand to. His works include the Abbey of the Novidur in the Czech Republic, the Cathay Pacific Airport in Hong Kong, opera sets for the dancer Way McGregor, and many fashion stores, including the celebrated Calvin Klein Emporium in Manhattan, which revolutionised the way people saw retail. In 2010, there was a major retrospective of his work at the Design Museum. I spoke to him at his studio at King's Cross, where he has been based all these years. That was interesting, John, what you were just saying. Um, you, we, you were in the middle of telling me a story about when you moved here to these offices at King's Cross. And when was that? Gosh, we, we moved here 97, 20-something yeah, years ago. I mean, I mean that's, that's the... Well, it's very... You can never explain to peop, people who are half your age, but um, it goes in a second. Where has it gone? Is that a cliché? <laughs> I mean, I've never had an idea to, uh, this idea of legacy or something that, you know, architects do talk about. Um, it's, it's never, I've never given it a thought. I mean, it's like, you know, um, it's about the now and keeping your head down and doing the work. And then, um, you know, when you look up, hopefully there's a body of work. Also around here, I mean, it's changed a great deal in that time. King's Cross. Yes, when, when, we, when we moved here, it li- literally was the most... The, the cheapest place to, to rent an office and that was really important for me to have space but not to have an overhead because you know architecture is not about making money or I mean it's 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 about doing the work and obviously you have to have a bit of money um, you know for, for people um, but so so it was it was it was amazing to find this place and to find you know a sympathetic landlord who we knew and but it was it was quite wild i mean you you know the the, the streets were rough then and, and and it was very sad because um you know these girls came down from from the north you know actually probably from from near where i am and you know they had yorkshire accents but they were um you know taking drugs in in the doorway and and trying to pay for the drugs through you know through prostitution it was it was it was right there. It was, um, but you know, we had the space, and 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 there was no shops. You couldn't you couldn't buy a sandwich. Or... What do you think about the development that's happening in this area with Coal Drops Yard and Granary Square? Well, I think it's all fantastic. I mean, I you know, for, I mean, it's just the, the the irony is that you know I was talking about keeping my head down, but literally you you know you take the tube, you come in, you you know you and you you come to the studio and you do the work and then you go home you don't you know I don't sort of wander around thinking how wonderful 
you know, King's Crosses and the canal, and but it is. I mean, it's it's very nice to have it. Like, I mean, it's so funny to see so many people going backwards and forwards to the tube, which wasn't that wasn't happening then. And then all these students from, um, you know, the fashion school, Central you know, St Martins. Yeah, yeah, I mean, looking, I mean, amazingly dressed and creatively. And then all the different nationalities. I mean, you know, every single country represented. Yeah. So you're, you're for gentrification in that way? Uh, I, I mean, I never thought... <laughs> I'm not sure you... <laughs> I'm not sure you... <laughs> gentrification and King's Cross in the same sentence, can you? I don't know. I think it's always been saved, because it's... But, but, but who goes and lives in all these endless flats that have been put up? The luxury apartments. Yes, in yeah. Which, uh, that, Well, I, I, as someone who lives in London, I mean, I see them springing up all over the place and I do wonder who moves into them because they look like then I'm not sure who they're aimed at I, I, I do bump into a friend who's a very successful lawyer and art collector and, and he's bought one with his partner up here so that's why I see him which is nice but I, I haven't quizzed him on why he wants to live above this area but anyway and have you seen, I mean, the, how's the pandemic affected your practice, how, how you work, how all this, how this, how the practice of architecture works? It must have had a huge effect. Well, I, I count the, you know, I sort of count the days, you know, or the months. I mean, it's 15 months of um, not being a studio. I mean, it's, but, you know, architecture takes a long time anyway, projects take the minimum of three years so you three to ten years for a project so um, but you can't you you know you can't work forever in isolation you have to feed off um, you know your peers and and you know the associates and um, and it's not it's not working on the same project it's 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 hearing about the other projects that people are working on you know it's a chance meeting, you know, for lunch or in, on the stairs or something, which sparks things and having ideas and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a studio. It's not a, you know, um, piece working at home. Has it made you think differently about the way people live? Um, I haven't really applied myself to if in the future it will, I don't, I'm not sure it'll necessarily affect the way you design a house. Um, but it is true that, that and, and of course we, we have this video com, um, conference call every Monday so that people, you know, you, and so I can see all 24 people on one screen and it's interesting to see where they are. So, I mean, some do the, you know, the false background, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, but most, most it's the kitchen, you know, it's the kitchen table and they have to clear it. Yeah, but I, I I was worried at the beginning about you know people's sanity uh, or health, you know because it's, it's quite stressful. But because the work hasn't gone away, I mean having we've still had to do the work because you know they're all on site or about to get to site or something like that. But obviously it's slowed down a lot with new jobs because people want to wait to see you know the way things are going before they commit. I mean they they've got 
they've got the project in mind, they've got the finances, but they don't necessarily want to, you know, pull the pull the lever. Did you see a rise in commissions for private residences? Well, we're not we're not really a reflection. I, I've never the studio's never been a reflection of of how things are at the present. You know, if they don't. You know, if when when you know pe, pe, you know when China became you know a very new market for architects, but European architects. I mean, they, the people said, you know, you must have lots of work in China. I never had any work in China. It's like. You know they don't because you have no interest no. in going there per se. Or no, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what happens. They didn't think about me. Mm. And it's the same with the Middle East. You know, I wasn't like you know when people were doing things in Dubai or whatever. Well, why didn't they call me? <laughs> but how many commissions or are you working on at any one given time? Uh, well, I, I I have this amazing piece of paper, so I can actually. I mean, it's, it makes me sound as if I'm uh, slightly mad, but uh, you know, I have a piece. Uh, series of A3 sheets with, with all the jobs illustrated and who's, who's doing them. So I can go through with people on a weekly basis um, how things are with each job. But there are, there are at least 30 on the, you know, I mean, there are 30 main jobs. And, then and there those are jobs continued throughout well, the last all, year and a half pandemic? Uh, uh, some, some, some were completed. They come off the sheet when they're completed. Hurrah. <laughs> And and they don't go on until there's some financial transaction, you know. Otherwise, you're putting them on and off. You know, did I get it? Did I not? You know. <laughs> the list, John Paulson list. Yeah. But there must be some things. You say you, it's not refle- re- your practice isn't a reflection of the time, but there must be some considerations. For example, environmental issues. I mean, the, pe- the the people must have requests or think about these things in different ways than they have done in previous years. Oh, yeah, no, but, I mean, environmental things have, have been on the agenda since the very beginning. I mean, you, you know, you, I mean, people say, oh, are you, you know, are you ecologically minded now or something? I mean, of course. I mean, it's, it, I mean first of all, there have been, you know, there have always been rules anyway about energy and so on. And, of course, we tend to have clients who want to be the best in whatever field they are. I mean, nothing to do with the architecture. So if, you, if you're doing a house for them, they want their house to be the most you know, ecological in Europe, you know, which means uh, getting some metal. But, um, you know, so we, you know. but the very fact of building is, if you don't need to, is, is uh, you know, the very act of building is, is, is you know, consuming energy. So, but I mean, half the work we do is, is um, um, you know, is refurbishing and renewing places. So. I mean, it's a very scary area. I mean, that, this whole thing of of where it's going and and will will we pull back in time or you know control it? It's. Um, uh, and you know, concrete's a you know big, it's a big number. Uh, you mean concrete because you use that so much in your? Well, I mean, and, I I, yeah. I don't actually, but it's yeah. it's it, it's connected to the building trade, which is architecture. Because of the and heat so that it gives off. Uh, yeah, and the yeah, and the and the yeah, and the yeah, the resources and things. Mm. I wanted to ask you about your aesthetic because 
even though aesthetic yeah even though people who <laughs> how know, do i look today you your personal aesthetic is is very um chic of course yeah. but i mean in terms of people who know you and know architecture of course know exactly what you stand for but lots of people might not so am i right in saying you're known for a sort of luxurious kind of minimalism um well i, I would yeah i would never argue with with the, the with the labels i mean it's uh i mean i learned a long time ago it's a you know, it's not a winnable thing to, to describe what you do, mm. but do you, uh, or to argue with what what labels people put on me. But I suppose because I'm because matches fashion is a, a fashion destination, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thinking I'm trying to think of it in terms of you can see where I'm going with this in terms of fashion. But some people think that you sort of invented that style coming out of the 80s as you did, mm. um, creating you know at a time when it was all about maximalism and noise and then you created these spaces that were very pared back but everything was incredibly the best of everything done in a very refined um sort of stealth way yes i mean it, i mean you know i mean it's um i mean the, the, the extraordinary thing about england in those days is that we, you know, well we've never been historically a very visual culture i mean we've you know we've had shakespeare and words but yeah, you know, we haven't had great painters, and we've got good painters, but not great painters. So there's never been this. You we've know, had Turner. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's always Turner. Yeah, of course, but um, on the great scale of things, you know, not Piero della Francesca or something. But um, uh, so, but but so in the eighties or or in the seventies is there was, it, you know the. Our friends had very traditional interiors. They, you know, English people talked about architecture of the 18th century. I mean, they 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 they'd no vocabulary to describe modern architecture. They, you know, it was something you know that might be mid-European or something. As far as they were concerned. So, if, I mean, my sister gave me a blank white piece of paper saying this is her um, membership request for, for the minimal club, you know, I mean, she just thought I was bonkers. Um, but, you know, but I'd been in Japan, you know, for, for four years and and contemporary architecture there, or some contemporary architecture like Karamata and... You and studied with him or worked with him briefly? No, I met him. I mean, uh, and he, he was like, a, he was a sort of, I mean, I'd seen his work in, in Domus magazine um, in the sixties, when I worked for my father up in up in Newcastle, and, and somebody had t said, "Well, if you're interested in these things, you should have this. You know, you should see this magazine, Domus." And I opened it, and there was Gramata. So I was like, "Oh my God, there's somebody who's actually building what I was thinking about." Yeah. So you already had that idea in your mind. Yeah, I think mm. from you know from a. Uh, probably even pre-teenage really so it was this idea of traveling light and not having stuff and, and my mother was you know I mean both my parents were uh, their parents were you know Methodists and non-conformists and, and they certainly my mother had a sort of disdain for material things which is sort of it was easy for her because of course you know she came from a privileged you know of a background of money um, that she didn't want stuff. 
And, I mean, she had one, you know, Chanel suit which did for everything, but well, of course it was a proper one. So it, it kind of lasted forever. <laughs> mm, they do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of couture thing. Where were we? Just while well, you were talking about you went Japan, you went to Japan, right? And um, I suppose I was just interested to hear more about you, you describing the the look the, the look of things that you design. Yes, well, yes. I mean, it was sort of. I think you know, when growing up in Halifax and with my mother and the you know that whole thing of chapels and, and my mother playing in, in uh, uh, occasionally playing the organ in them and uh, even though normally they wouldn't have musical musical accompaniment and the agriculture the industrial buildings in Halifax were so sort of simple because it was York stone on the floor the walls and the, and the roofs you know and they so you know sort of and the treeless landscape outside outside the town and I mean that I mean the Yorkshire Moors and it all sort of fed into something I think and and then and then seeing Thomas and then and obviously you know Mies van der Rohe you know was it was a you know the one person I identified with in architecture even though I had no I mean it was just from looking at pictures there was no real and then there was that thing where people said oh you you know you can only do architecture if you if you can do math and then you know that and that's what they said and then and and could you do math or was that no know? and and also they said and then of course the the most direct you know the the biggest put down was um at school they said oh you can't do architecture if you don't read books meaning uh, which is a bit unfair because i did you but, did read. But, but you could you did read but you couldn't do math couldn't do math well i could read but Obviously, I wasn't. They didn't think I was reading enough, and I wasn't. I think they, the idea was that I wasn't intellectual enough. Was, I think it was the message. And then my father said, "You know, why why would you do architecture if you can buy it? You know, it's like if you, if you, you know, work is what you can't get somebody else to do." You know, said so, you know. But it's been interesting because Dad loved messing around with buildings and putting buildings up. And there was always an architect at home. I mean, it was like, you know, if re there was a resident, there was a guy always around there. I mean, the, the what, kitchen the, table. Would he have liked to have been an architect himself? Of course. But, you know, there were duties, you know, it was, he, his father was running the business, but... Uh, Textiles. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then there was the war and, you know, Dad ran a munitions factory, you know, rather than, you know, build up the... Family business, you know, it was a sort of thing to do. So I suppose, so are you? Do you feel like you're a sort of poster boy for somebody who can who can go into architecture without all the traditional, old-fashioned notions of being good at maths and the intellectual side of it? Well, I would always say to you know people that if it, that they should, you know, I think it's a great thing to go into architecture. I mean, I always encourage my friends' children or my friends to not you know, to encourage their children. And, and if, I don't think it matters. There's so many different sides to architecture. Um, and I guess you don't have to, to spend the energy and the time to, to actually qualify if you want to do something. 
peripheral. I mean, the, the, the problem is, is to actually practice in certain areas or certain countries, you have to be, you know, technically qualified, which is what everyone else here is. So I'm the only non-architect. Hmm. <laughs> it does have a sort of highfalutin image. Arch uh, architecture, architects, yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's a hell of a bloody training. I mean, it's hmm. seven years of the minimum and ten years, you know, probably. And um, it's funny because I was... Uh, we, I needed... The, a friend wanted her, her application um, signing or, or seconding or whatever it is to become somebody at the RIBA. So she said, will, will I sign it? And I said, well, I'm not RIBA. In fact, I'm not even an architect. And <laughs> so you wonder, I mean, I, I say it so many times, I think you think everyone's heard, but, you know, because it's not. And so this, and then so they always come back and say, oh, that architecture on Paulson. I said, no, I'm not. Anyway, but, uh, and so I then went to everyone in the office to get them to sign it. And of course, the, the, there's only two of them are paying their RIBA things, which I think is a bit sad. I mean, I think you it's think it's sad that they that they well, are. The RIBA needs supporting, right? And um, and to to to, uh, to call yourself RIBA, you just you have to obviously pay the membership fees. It means you can call yourself an architect. ARB, I think, is the book. The Do you have that? that? No, no, no. <laughs> I have so nothing. Sort of rebel. How many times a, can I say this? Yeah, you're Read a sort of, my lips. <laughs> you're a, you're, a, you're a sort of um, taboo breaker in the world of architecture. Uh, there's there's one person I think it's one person who um, follows um, what I say or what what people say or what they write and points out to various newspapers and magazines that I'm not an architect. <laughs> so I, there is a conscience out there. <laughs> I wanted to talk more about fashion and specifically the Calvin Klein store that yeah. you designed in the early '90s uh, for Calvin Klein in in Manhattan. Um, First of all, how did Calvin Klein become aware of you and your work? Uh, he was given a, uh, a, a book that I, the first book I ever did, which was, uh, um, it was a Spanish monograph on my work um, from a publisher called G.G., Gustavo Gili. And he was given it by Ian Schrager, the hotelier and um, studio. And you'd done some moment. work for Ian Schrager? No, right? no. no. Ian, Ian is very good at, is it called the Zeitgeist? I didn't know. Yeah. But he, he, he's, How did you know Ian Schrager? No, I didn't. Oh, How right. did he know me? Oh, it, yeah. He's even more, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he'd seen this this Spanish book. Because he, he was very much, um, you know, always on the lookout for, as I was then, young um, um, architects or somebody, you know, people. And Calvin was looking for somebody young to actually um, visualise his store for him. Because, I, mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's obviously Calvin's store. And and um, so Ian gave him, you know, a few names. And and so he flew to London to look me up, which was a, a big shock, I can tell you, because <laughs> the office said, oh, we've had that Calvin Klein on the phone. <laughs> And <laughs> were you aware? You, I mean, he was really famous then, wasn't he? he already? Yeah, I mean, he was. He was about. He, I would say. I mean, obviously, there. Are, you know, you, I would say. He, he was probably one of the most famous people I'd heard of. You know, 
then. And I, and I just said to them, oh, you know, get, you know, get back to work. Stop, <laughs> stop asking around. And, and they said, no, 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 his office rang. And I said, and then the phone went again. And they, um, they said, oh, I, we've got Calvin Klein on the phone for you. And I said, oh, OK, put him through. Anyway, and of course, this Calvin is unmistakable now, but he went, hi, <laughs> this is Calvin Klein. You know, I said, OK, hi, this is John. And he, he said, you know, can I come and see you? And I said, sure, you know, any time. He said, well, I'm outside in the car. So he'd been waiting for half an hour in the car outside. And then he bounced in. And, it's like, and what was it like working with him? Luckily, I, I mean... I mean, Calvin changed everything. So, um, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't worked on this scale before. And luckily, I'd had a little bit of experience. So I was in a position for once to listen, which I... <laughs> and grow up a bit. And, and um, you know, I realised this was serious stuff. And, and, and Calvin, Calvin wanted to get what he wanted in, you know, in the nicest possible way. And it was different from me, which is great. But together, we... You know, we were, kind of worked it out. I mean, we had different ideas of, of, you know, I mean, he likes contrast and, you know, black and white sort of. And I like slightly subtler differentiations, but... So it was this enormous space on, was it Madison? It is on Madison Avenue, a former bank, was it? Yeah, it was a, I think it was a Chase bank and it was an uh, incredible, yeah, 19th century, yeah, with really tall ceilings and columns and very near classical and so Calvin said oh, I'll show you you know because it's a bank so we 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 went in there and uh, we we just stood in line it was still a working bank right yeah I mean you you know stand in line and but we stood in line and looked around and Tom Wolfe was in front wow and and Tom just looked around and 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 Calvin said oh hi Tom and Tom said oh hi Calvin and then we just carried on <laughs> So and cool. if that was, I mean, if that, that was life with Calvin in New York, I mean. So the store opened in 1995. Yeah. And became this pilgrimage site for people who were um, obsessed with fashion and Calvin Klein, but also people who were interested in architecture. Yeah, if it, well, it was a very surreal thing because obviously for me, it was some, you know, it's what I'm used to. I mean, I've, it's never, never been anything different for me. And, but I think for New Yorkers, um, you know, to see a, a, a fashion shop where, you know, they, they weren't put, piling it high and selling it cheap. I mean, it was, but it was interesting enough because the architects or for the people who are interested in design weren't necessarily interested in fashion. So they would come in Mm. And sit, and it was fine, the, you know, to begin with, because they, you know they were quite tolerant, and uh, you know, and people just, you know, it's like a stream of people, sort of coming in and going up to the mezzanine, sitting on the bench for a long time, and then wandering around, and it was it was a sort of funny thing. Quite an extraordinary time to be thrust into the world of fashion, because it was an exciting time. Are you still in touch? Yes, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, when, you know, we don't... I've never, I've never done that thing of hanging out, you know, with clients, really. I was interested in that. Is there, there's not a sort of social aspect where you need to sort of wine and dine people or they wine and dine you and you get to know them because they're building, designing something 
for you for them? Well, they 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 tend to make a decision. They they do their research. They decide they want to use us, and then they come and, and negotiate or whatever, and and then we're hired. And and you know it doesn't entail a meal before. I mean, we might have a, but if if you're having if you're having a meal with Calvin, you're talking about his project. And it can be lunch, it can be breakfast, lunch, and dinner the same day. And then he'll say, "Oh gosh, it's eight o'clock. Sorry, I've got to go." Those looks. He <laughs> um, works very hard. You know. So you weren't um, seduced by the fashion industry party scene, and because they must have, you must have become something of a of a trend if Calvin Klein hired you. Yes, but you, but um, it, it, it's enough working for Calvin. <laughs> I mean, if we, yeah, fair enough. I mean, we, there, there were there was a famous dinner where we, um, you know, there were all those supermodels at, except for um, I don't think there was um, Linda Evangelista was. I don't think I think she was the one missing. Linda wasn't there. Sadly, but, but, but Christy was there presumably. She and was Naomi, there. yep. And we were, and I was on the floor with them. I mean, you were dancing with, with Naomi Campbell. That must yeah. have been quite a moment. And 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 Christy, yeah, we were all just sort of going like this. I don't think I saw. I don't think I saw Calvin on the dance floor. At that moment, I mean. Yeah, he's probably working too hard. Mm. I think mean, he was there somewhere. Like that. He was just. It was like one of these dinners where there seemed to be a dance floor next to it. <laughs> Memories um, hazy. And uh, and 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 you've designed. You've designed quite a few shops, fashion stores over the years. Jill Sander in Tokyo and there's the Christopher Kane store on yeah. uh, Mount Street yeah. just near Matches Fashion's yeah. Five yeah. Carlos Place. Well Christopher's was amazing. I mean he came in here, you know, they you know, there's the usual thing that Christopher Kane wants to come and see you and I I thought, Oh that's really, really nice, you know. And so he gave, came in here and he sat down and I kept saying, Well I've been thinking of, you know, architects for you, you know, that that would be good for you. And he went, what? And I said, oh, I, you know, if, you know, um, and he said, no, no, I, you know, I would like you to do it. You know, because he, he's half my age or less. And, and I thought he'd want somebody, I thought he was coming to ask me my advice. Why would you think that, though? Is that normal for people to come and ask you for other architect recommendations? Well, I'd be cool with it, you know, because it's like, yeah, I mean, I do try and, help or not help but well it sounds patronizing but if, i mean if, you know i'm you know i had a f friends whose son um wanted to have lunch because you know things were a bit tricky with his practice and if i went in he had this most beautiful studio but he was only he was only one because he didn't have any work so we went out for lunch and i said well you know this is what happens you know it's the same for me and he was he just didn't think he just couldn't think that I was in the same sort of boat. You know, sometimes there's no work mm. and you have to get through and then it, it comes again. So it's sort of important to share information and support each other. I think so, because, you know, I, well, I know from, from my experience, it's, um, you know, architects find it so difficult to, to, to get work and to keep work and to do the work that they that they become a little bit, you know, insensitive to other people and so they you know it's get the job at any cost and I, it's never been like that for me I mean it's like 
I mean, I remember once we were, I was at um, a club called the Groucho, and um, with with uh, Zaha Hadid and Nigel Coates, I thought we were at the bar, and we were having a really nice gossip, you know, it was just really relaxed, everything, and then a client came in, a potential client. I didn't know what the potential client looked like, but Zaha did, and it was like, you know, and, and I mean, she's off, and then I think there's another one. Or so she Nigel. was a real. She was more of a. <laughs> well, you would never think it because she, she's so talented and so artistic and so independent and everything that you you just wouldn't think she was, you know, get the job, you know, secure the contract type of. I mean, it didn't square with the the artistic side of her, but you, I guess, you need both. So you, so you, but you're not like that. So it's more about um, business. Just comes to you in a sort of. Well, I never organic. think of it as business. It's the opportunity to design something, mm. which is. But, I mean, th thanks to Catherine. Um, I mean, she turned. Your wife. Yeah, she turned. I mean, she pointed out that, you know, it's very easy to lose money, but it's also if, if you do one or two things and aren't extravagant, you can actually keep some of the money so she's 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 the she's in charge of the, she's the purse money. strings yeah. <laughs> so, which has been brilliant because it means that you know if we've you know we've been able to you know run a you know a ship mm. what is the importance of a physical fashion store today though in the, in the age of internet shopping um well i i don't know about the 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 financial side, but certainly in 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 Calvin's case, you know, if it was he wanted a physical manifestation of himself, he wanted people people to be able to get it. It wasn't it didn't need to um, it didn't need to to finance itself. It was a it was a it was a place that he he could. Um, you know, try things out and see things, and I think um, I, I think you you still need to go and see see things, and and you know be exposed to an atmosphere, and 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 the tastes of 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 that designer. I mean, Luke and Lucy um, Meyer, who who we we work for now with Jill Sander. I mean, they are. You know they have so much wonderful original taste, you know, and and together we've done these stores, and and they want each one to be different, which is, you know, which is obviously um, um, testing, I would say. Where's the where's the new one? Uh, well, there's there's several in 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 Tokyo. There will be a new one in Milan. Um, so Japan and 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 Europe and you know. And, so it's the idea um, of sort of sharing taste, or, or for a for a customer to come and experience the taste of the designer. You you walk into the store in Tokyo and they if they wanted a different tree to represent the country that it was in. That was one idea, and say so we have this beautiful tree growing in the store in Tokyo, and you know, and it's a bit different. Um, and then they 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 like those Dita Rams brown um, stereo you know tape recorder things. Um, so they got what, a vintage one of those, which 
you know, signify some, you know, mm. some, it's a signal. What about the book that you've create, um, written with your wife, Catherine, published by Fiden? Cook it, a cookbook. A cookbook, yeah. The, Home f- farm. F- well, f- Fiden were, um, have always been slightly um, upset that they didn't cotton on, because I, f- I went to them with the first cookbook 20 years ago, and they said, oh, well, we don't do cookbooks. And they hadn't realised that Richard Schlagman, who owned Fiden, was very, very keen to get into cookbooks, which they, of course, have done very successfully. And uh, so th- they've always thought about doing one, you know, again, or, or one with, with me. And, um, and, if, and, and Catherine wanted to do it, so, I, you know, it's fine. And, of course, she's definitely done 99.9% of the work and, and definitely the cooking. What's your favourite recipe in there? Well, I like risotto because it's very, um, it's sort of easy. I like eating with one instrument. That you've designed? No, yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'm not sure it's so good for risotto because it's a three-pronged fork, but I did do a five-pronged one for, um, for, for the client who said that the peas fell through the oh. three-pronged one. And he's a very good client. But, um, Maybe he can commission one that's yeah. pea, pea risotto friendly. Yes. When's your next trip to Japan, do you think? As soon as it's clear, yeah. You I mean, miss the travel? I don't miss travel at all. I mean, I hate travel. I hate the, Really? Well, I hate, I hate the plane and the airport and, and the jet lag and the, yeah, and the atmosphere and the plane. And that. But, but, but it's a, you know, what do they say that is? You know, it's an old man moaning or something. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, if, if it's like, you know, if, you know, and and of course, you know, I'm, you know, I, you know, I can fl- fly in some luxury, and you know, I'm privileged if, in that sense that, that you know the clients are very generous. But I mean, it's it's, but but of course, I adore Japan. You know, I mean, it's, and and Catherine does. So she's always saying, "Can't we go? Can't we go?" And you know, and we can. And I should go. What's your favourite hotel in Japan? I, it's funny because I, the only place I like a hotel is Japan, because I, you know, I don't like staying in hotels. It's not a treat. Of course, for Catherine, it's a big treat because there's a change of environment and there's room service. And you know. I mean, I try at home, but I don't think I'm as good as. You can't pick up a phone. Um, yeah, we we stay in the Aman usually, and, and which is which is a real treat. And there's even one in I haven't been there. There's one in Kyoto. Now. Just before we finish, mm-hmm. there's a um, conceit to this podcast. I think you're not going to like this question, but um, so five Carlos Place, which is the Matches Fashion Townhouse on mm-hmm. Mount Street, which mm-hmm. I think you're probably aware yeah, of. Yeah, of course. No, no. Yeah, I know. I've had some pictures. Anyway, the original conceit of the podcast yeah. was five things that that would represent you, John Paulson, that we put in, that we'd put into the cabinet of Five Carlos Place. Um, but um, is there anything that you'd put in there that really represents you or that you find mm, inspiring in some way? Well, the interesting thing about uh, objects or material things is that I've, you know, from a very, very young age, I've had no attachment to material things, mainly because, you know, when I was six, I lost my Parker pens on the beach and um, took some consoling. And I thought after that I'd never be 
attached to anything. But if, if, I mean, when my mother died, if they, my sisters, um, you know, we, um, I, I got four sisters, and we we sat, sat around and and went in turn with you know the eldest first. I'm the youngest. To you know to choose something of mums that you know they could have, and they you know there were lots of things they wanted. You know the sofa, the tea service, or whatever it is. And the Chanel the, suit. The Chanel suit. I think that she had finally worn that oh. out. And also, the, 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 yeah, my my name. My, my sister never wore the clothes like my mother. Um, but my, so if I my mother um, collected um, paperweights. Glass, these funny glass things, and so there's one particular one that reminded me of her. That I so I said, okay, I mean that was my way of keeping my sisters you know, placated. So you kept the paperweight. I kept paperweight, and then my father had a Mavado watch, which was a sliding. You, you, when you opened it, there's a pocket watch. When you opened it, it wound it up, but if but he he would do it nervously, so he was always going like this with his watch all his life. So I've got that, um, but the, anything else if, is a tools for the job. I mean, it's all. I mean, there are bars and things. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I've still got my father's um, box of what he left when he died, because he, if, and it was all went into one metal box, because he wanted to not leave me any stuff to clear up. So I've got his you know, driving license or whatever. Well, that's great. Thank you very much, John Pawson. You're very welcome. Hope I passed the audition. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag 5CarlosPlace. Thanks for listening.